This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I thought it was really cool. It's what we've been asking for in hockey for a long time, right? Um, you know, it was best on best. And, um, you know, look, everyone's talking about baseball. And, you know, did you see, you know, Otani versus Trout? And, you know, that's what hockey's been missing for, you know, almost a decade now. So, um, yeah, that's what, we've been, that's what we've been asking for. Keeping the NHL and the Players Association's feet to the fire for international hockey, that is Connor McDavid. Pleased to be joined weekly here by Greg Wyshynski from ESPN MVSW Time once again. Hello, Wish. Boy, is he is he bitter that he didn't get to play for Canada? That he had to be TNA in the World Cup of Hockey that we all <laughs> adored? <laughs> is he is he bitter about that? Well, team North, team, team North America. Like honestly, I was thinking about this a while ago. All those guys one day are all going to be able to say we played on one of the best cult teams of all time with the coolest yeah. swag and played a, a brand of hockey that really we're seeing now more so than ever in the NHL. They're playing that at the World Cup of Hockey. I remember asking Cooper about John Cooper about it once um, about, you know, what's, what's the best team he ever coached? And he said the best team I, I was ever part of was a team that didn't do anything. And that was Team North America. Now, they didn't win anything in the World Cup of Hockey, but in a lot of ways, they pointed at the future, and I think we're going to look back 20 years from now at that team, and we're just going to play the Count the Hall of Famers game. Like, how many guys from that team wish are going to end up in the Hockey Hall of Fame? ton. Many. Many. Uh, I was happy to hear Connor's comments, though, about the World Cup and about best on best and and that kind of thing. So my, my pet theory about McDavid is that he has the potential, should he choose to take this path, of being yep. I know you're going. one of the most militant, vocal labor leaders on the player side that we've ever had insofar as, like, great players. Like, there are always vocal players on the player side, you know, for the most part, usually veteran guys. He's in his prime. He's the biggest star in the league. And there's always been this yep. kind of undercurrent of curiosity, whether it was him serving on some committees or, or him just kind of like dropping a little bit of comments here and there about what was going on in CBA talks, where I, I really think if he wanted to, like Connor could be like the Che Guevara of like <laughs> NHL, NHL labor if he <laughs> chose to. If he chose to. That's asking a lot, though. That's, well, a- that's asking the- somebody... It's asking somebody who doesn't necessarily like to put himself out there to put himself out there, but he clearly has a curiosity about it. He is more comfortable doing it now than ever, right? But here's the here's the thing about it. Then we've never the game of hockey has never really had from the player's side anyhow outspoken leaders that are elite right. players. Now I want to temper that by saying. Chris Pronger is a person that existed in the NHL and was quite outspoken. I know there are a lot of, you know, outliers of this one or, or examples that, that, that negate my point. But when you look at the superstars of the league, and we'll look at, you know, the biggest ever, Wayne Gretzky. The closest mm-hmm. that I ever saw Wayne either speak defiantly or do something that was symbolically defiant was during the lockout of 94-95 when he, wait for it, Greg, grew a goatee. <laughs> that was it. That's how you, that's and how you know him, his, whether that's it's his the, evil twin, by the way. So, soap opera rules <laughs> tells evil, us that's that that's, his, 
That's his evil twin. I'm not going to make myself marketable. I'm growing a goatee. Um, but whether it's, you know, Gordy Howe, Bobby, or like, go right, go right through the list. Jean Beliveau, like go through the list. Like the history of the sport is the leaders aren't outspoken. Like on the, on the player's side, it's a very conservative, go along with it. You know, don't shake things up um, kind of group. And even just, even McDavid just saying that and keeping, you know, the NHL and the Players Association, they're part of this here too, keeping their feet to the fire for, you know, more international hockey and best on best competitions. Because here's the thing, I was talking to someone about this this morning. Actually, it was Matt Marquez, our producer, talking to Maddie about this this morning. And we were talking about what this ultimately means. And by Connor McDavid specifically saying what he did about Trout and Otani, and isn't that great? And that's what we'd like in hockey as well. What that does is it opens the door for the next time that either Gary Bettman or Bill Daly are behind a microphone. They're going to get asked that question now. Hey, Connor McDavid said this about Otani and Trout. Where is the NHL at with international hockey? Like, remember, remember coming out of the 0405 lockout? Of course you did, Greg. It was such a fun time. Yay, sunshine and lollipops. <laughs> hockey is back. Part of, the pro- part of the program was there was going to be a schedule for international hockey. It was gonna, there was right. going to be a calendar where the NHL participated and how they participated. Um, that was uh, 2005. And yes, we've had, as you mentioned, with Team North America being the touchdown for it, the World Cup of Hockey and some participation in the Olympics. But this is hardly the robust international calendar or schedule that we are all led to believe would be this sort of path to glory. Listen, as a matter of fact, you know, Donald Fair took over the National Hockey League Players Association and didn't really want to fight much over the CBA feeling that the real money the players could make outside of the CBA and their contracts was through international hockey. And it hasn't been there. They haven't been able to pull this thing together. But I really do believe that by McDavid, even just saying that, because NHL leaders don't say that on the player's side generally, it puts the feet to the fire. Like, I'm I'm saying good on McDavid for doing it. It, it puts their feet to the fire, but like I should tell you, and and, and you know this because you've been there too. Like your friends in the hockey media ask about the World Cup international play every time Bettman's available at one of these functions. Like they've had to answer that question, and the the, the tricky part about it is that you could ask him, you could say, "Hey, hey, uh, Commissioner Bettman," uh, and I have to call him that because we're a rights holder, Commissioner Bettman. Um, you, uh, Connor McDavid said he wants to have a best on best tournament. He wants his Otani versus uh, Trout moment, which I can only assume means yeah. him taking a shootout attempt against Team USA goalie Jack Campbell. Um, Commissioner Bettman, uh, <laughs> when is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? And, and he will say the same thing that they've been saying now for a year, which is that we have a problem on our hands called the Ukraine-Russia conflict. That's the reason we're not getting the best on best in 2024 is they couldn't quite figure out what to do with Russia. And when many of your uh, elite stars play for a nation that has been ostracized by uh, any number of different places, including now once again the IIHF, um, they're not quite sure what to do with that. So that's the latest one. Before that, it was go. COVID in Beijing. They got to let that go. Before that, you know. They got to let it go. I don't know. They got to they gotta, they gotta let the, but they, how they they let the Russia it, thing go. Yeah, but they're, they're, they, don't, they, they don't have a team Russia. 
That's how they that's how they do it. Like at at a certain yeah, point, I, you can't yeah. just can you just cannot continue to suspend this because of one nation. That's how I feel, and I would even argue that you catch them in moments of candor. The players will tell you that, and I I would even I would even imagine that. And this has always been like international hockey has always been Bill Daly's file. I'd I'd be willing to venture that, you know, there's only so long that Bill Daly can say okay. We'll try to accommodate here for Russia, but there's a line past which we can't go, and we just have to leave them behind. We can't, we can't stop any type of progress to an international hockey tournament. Well, hold on. We what what do you mean by Sorry, leave them behind? No Russia. What do you What do you mean by leave them behind? They don't play. They don't play. There is no team Russia. You're saying that none of the Russian players play Correct. in the World Cup. So Correct. Kaprizov. <laughs> Doesn't play in the World Cup. Correct. It's the, it's, oh, it's, I don't listen, know about it's, a, that. it's the nature of world events. Oh, I don't know, Greg. You think they would go ahead with you, it? You are talking. You are talking about some of the biggest stars in this league that won't be playing in this World Cup. Then true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're already Correct. dealing with people that are specious about the World Cup because of what went down last time, where we had two fake teams. Which, by Team the way, Europe, I, I don't care yeah, about. <laughs> but there are some people that really did care about it. And again, the only team, the only reason we had Team yeah. Europe is because we had, we had to figure out something for Kopitar and Drysaddle. But like, so I, I understand what you're saying that you have to move on without them, and, and and that ultimately might be the decision they have to make. But I, I just feel like if you do, you, you have two paths right now. It's Path not one, ideal. It's not. It's not ideal. It's not. It's not ideal. But politically, it's it's not an ideal time. Well, it's I don't not, see any it's way not around politically. It. It, it's it's financially. The, the, the risk you run is that if you have Russian participation, then you won't have major nations around this globe participating financially in the World Cup. Like the, part of the gig is they want to hold games internationally. They want to make it more like a world event, mm-hmm. right? So Finland's not going to yeah. be down with having games there if you have a Team Russia. So from that perspective, you're right. Like the financial sense is to leave them on the outside. But if you're trying to tell a hockey fan anywhere in this world to watch the World Cup of Hockey to see a best-on-best tournament to determine who is the best hockey nation in the world, and you are leaving out what chunk of the top 30 players are Russian? You're leaving them on the outside. Well, all the best goalies. Purposefully. All, all, all the best goalies are on the outside. No, all the best goalies aren't playing. I know. I understand that. But, but here's the How option. do you sell that? Either you leave them. How do you them- sell that? I do, well, listen, you, you saw like this. Either we leave them out or there's no tournament. What's your choice? Well, my, my choice is probably to have some, some sort of tournament, but then maybe the conversation then, Merrick, is more about not doing a World Cup of hockey and doing a Ryder Cup-style thing between select nations. I, I just don't think that you can... I don't understand the logic behind trying to sell a, a mid-season tournament to your fans... To say it's a best on best tournament, but like Kirill Kaprizov's not going to be there Here, because you've decided that he shouldn't play. Hang on a second. Do you like this as a midseason tournament or a preseason tournament? I don't think that we should have another World Cup of Hockey or even have a discussion about the World Cup of Hockey if we're going to do it in, this, in September again. I think that was the, one of the stupidest decisions that they could have possibly made for this tournament. Um, the world is now safer to do an in-season tournament because the NBA is going to do one eventually in, in the near future. Um, mm-hmm. 
if the complaint from the owners was always, we don't want to shut down our season for a tournament in which we get no financial gain from, i.e. the Olympics, well, guess what? You get half the money yeah. from the World Cup. And it's going to be inside your own arenas, a lot of these games. So I don't buy that argument. I, I, the thing about the World Cup that, that maybe people don't remember because you weren't watching it because the NFL was going on and the Yankees <laughs> were playing the Jays that weekend um, was that the I hockey know, wasn't I great. Know, I know. The, the, reason, they, the reason Team North were, America stands out is because they were one of the only teams engaged and playing well and with enthusiasm and with pace. I, I don't want to see another preseason tournament. The hockey stunk for the most part. And, and from an attention standpoint, doing it in February, in between the Super Bowl and March Madness, is the prime mm-hmm. real estate to hold this tournament in the United States. Do you think we hear more players talking like McDavid? Because don't forget, when the players going to the Olympics was scrubbed, the big push to get international hockey on the calendar was from players like Sidney Crosby, Connor mm-hmm. McDavid, um, Austin Matthews. Like the, This was very much a player-driven thing. Okay, if we're not going to the Olympics, what are we getting instead? Like This was a, this very much a player initiative. Like these guys were skating together in the summer last year. Right. With hopes of going to the going to the Olympics, do you think well, more players speak couple... out about this? Like the the whole the whole thing the whole thing yeah. was was perfect. Like um, I'm sorry, like they, the the Angels thing was just so perfect for all of this for hockey because it dominating dominated sports headlines. It was the perfect final out. Uh, in that tournament, it was like super. It was it was fantastic. It's a great lead-in for the season uh, for Major League Baseball. Like all the boxes that this thing checked were spectacular. And here's hockey, who's been wanting a more robust uh, international schedule now for years. The players want it. The players have been working behind the scenes to try to push this thing forward. And it's the stars of the game that are trying to move this thing the whole thing to me has been pushed by the players. So to me, what McDavid did the other day was open the door for other players to say, I'm on team Connor on this one. Sure. Uh, I want to hit that in a second. One thing about the Russia thing I forgot to mention is removing them from Mm -hmm. the tournament removes your biggest heel. Doesn't it? I, from the pro wrestling point of view, I understand that, but there's also a reason why the NHL, you know, is not allowing any, any Russian players to take the Stanley Cup to Russia. Right. No, that's true. Um, on the players' they side... Don't want any, cause they don't want... Like hang on. From an NHL point of view, <laughs> do you think for one second they want to hand Putin a bit of sports propaganda to take back? I don't know, man. They, they handed him Pride Night. So, uh, you know... They're working on it. <laughs> They're working on ways to make him happy, I guess. Um, on the players' wait, side, wait, on. I do think we'll have more people speak out because they'll be asked about it. But the real, the real interesting wrinkle about the World Cup or any international tournament in February 2025 now is you mentioned Donald yeah. Fear before. Well, there's a new sheriff in town, and we're going to hear from Marty Walsh for the first time next Friday, introductory press conference in Trana for the NHLPA. Yep. We'll get a sense of what his thoughts are on international play. And and like you said, at at the end of the day, everything with with Gary Bettman is a negotiation. 
And so if there is a lot of enthusiasm oh, of course, on the player side to have a World Cup of Hockey, uh, maybe, maybe you don't want to be too enthusiastic about the World Cup of Hockey. Like when you get enthusiastic about the cap raising by more than a million dollars, and then all of a sudden, uh-oh, escrow is not going to be paid off. We're going to have to find a way to negotiate this. Like that's the problem right now with, with any level of enthusiasm on the player side is that will be read as a sign of weakness. That will be read as a sign of, of craven desire that can then be leveraged to get something the NHL wants out of the players to make this yes. thing happen. See, I'm I'm forever fascinated always with the first encounter and the first meeting because much like Marty Walsh does not want to appear weak to his constituents, uh, you can be sure the same is being said on the other side. That in the first engagement, the first issue, which will probably be, you know, what are we what are we doing here with the salary cap? Neither side want to come off as conceding too much to the other one in the first encounter. Like if it's conversation 35 between these two, oh, oh, okay, you know, you know, one side gives a little bit more than they're comfortable with, but they know they're going to get something, you know, six months down the road. Yeah. The first issue is always the interesting one because this is, this is the, this is the first test, right? This is, this is in one of those matches that, you know, is going to pro wrestling matches, you know, is going to, is going to last an hour. This is the first lockup (laughs) and which guy's going to get pushed in the corner. That's what this is. Um, you knew we were going to do what, some type what, of wrestling analogy. One thing I'm curious about with you is what format do you want to see? Do you want to see this thing blown out with qualification matches, uh, qualification matches, qualification games, and things of that nature for the World Cup, or do you just want to see the NHL create eight teams and and leave it at that? I haven't thought that deeply about it. You've probably thought about it more than I have. Um, No, I don't really care about qualification matches, to be honest with you. Just get me to Canada-USA at the end. Right. So you probably see the World Cup then as as I probably think the NHL sees the World Cup, which is that we do not care if Latvia qualifies because this is a tournament that we want like eight teams completely populated by our own people, and it's a promotional vehicle Mm -hmm. for the National Hockey League. Yeah. But I think the yeah, and 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 you want it on a consistent schedule, so it actually means something. I mean, all tournaments, right. and all trophies, and I get it. Like it's all it's all arbitrary. It's all arbitrary. I get it. But I think unless it's on some type of schedule, then ultimately it's kind of more meaningless than it than any other tournament is. But but let me let right? me say I mean, this, we, all, we all we all like, we 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 all laughed we we all laughed at the one in two thousand four because we knew what it was it was a last minute cash grab before there was going to be a prolonged lockout. Then right, Mario Lemieux hold that weird trophy, <laughs> and and then they came back with the paperweight in uh, 20, 20, 2016. <laughs> the, the thing, the thing that but but the thing that you just said is very interesting because. You know, one of the reasons the World Baseball Classic is the World Baseball Classic is that it involves the world. It doesn't just involve Major League Baseball players. And if the NHL's mm-hmm. plan for the World Cup, and they've, they've stated this in the past, is to supplant the Olympics, to create their own best-on-best tournament, wherein they won't need the Olympics then, because now they have this other thing, then you do have to invite the rest of the world to this, don't you? Then there's there's non NHLers involved in it, absolutely. And are those right. leagues going to hand over their best players? 
Are they going to hand over that's their best players question. for this three week, whatever we're going to call it? That's it. That's it. Because if, if you're to your point, if you are going to have Team Latvia, for example, are all the teams going to release them for this tournament if you do it in the mid NHL season? Well, well, I answered that question, but you didn't. Do you want it mid season or do you want it preseason? No, I like the idea of preseason just as a momentum builder. But I always, but I, but the thing is, I'm a hypocrite there because I always say, whatever you do, don't play games in September. But then I'm also saying, don't play games <laughs> in June. Um, I'm a, I'm a total, I'm a total hypocrite when it comes to that because I want it in September. But I'm like, you know, a hockey fan that grew up with, you know, the Canada Cup and stuff. So like, I want it in September, but I know why it's not a good idea. You just, you can't do it. Like September is death, man. Like you're talking about. The beginning of the NFL season. I know everybody runs the from Major League it. Baseball pennant race. I know. I know. Ah, oof. I know. Oof. Everybody's I know. going back to school too. I like know. everybody's minds are in a different place in September. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I'm just selfishly saying, your little Canadian buddy here who has you know soap and warm water feelings for the Canada Cup. <laughs> What's this thing? What's this thing before the season begins? Well, and, and, but also to but to. to to, to your point, though, like to put a, a check in, in your column here, it would be easier to get these other leagues to play ball if you do it before the season. Like asking the, the you know, Swedish Elite League and the Finland Hockey League to like postpone their own seasons for the sake of this international tournament, which is basically an advertising vehicle for the National Hockey League. Like it's going to be an easier argument to make to do that in September than in February. There, there has to be a financial incentive for those leagues to release all their top players. <laughs> to play in this okay. thing. The NHL loves sharing. <laughs> well, wh- they love else, sharing money. Wh- They're like, please, why else would, please have money. Why else, would, <laughs> why else would they do it? Why else would they do it? <laughs> they, love, they love when other, other entities benefit financially from their own uh, uh, superstars. That's from why they're events? so gung-ho about the Olympics. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> so that's probably why you're maybe just doing this whole thing with NHLers. I don't know. Do, do, remember the like the World Cup's one thing, but like again, if you don't want to include Russia, the Ryder Cup idea was an interesting one. I want to say that was a uh, um, uh, John Collins invention before he left the NHL was to try to do like a USA versus that Canada sounds like John Collins. Or, yep. Yeah, North America versus yep. the World Series. Like you could do that. I mean, if it's if it's the world, then you don't even have to worry about the Russia thing. If it's just like Canada and the U.S. against the world, but then. That eliminates the thing that we all want to see, which is basically like Austin Matthews versus Connor McDavid for a, a thing, a trophy or a medal. Yeah. Just treat it like the Summit Series 72, two countries, that's it. I'd be down for that, dude. Like, I, for, with the way of the world right now, I know that you're going to be leaving a lot of like really big stars off the, off the table if you just do the USA Canada Summit Series. But like, First of all, it's really funny to think about like the U.S. and Canada having a summit series, but based on the political climate in the United States, maybe we need one. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe you could sell that. <laughs> our, 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 our sinister neighbors to the south, we have to defeat them. They'll, they'll climb over our border one day and take all of our syrup. Um, just have those two oh, play. Funny. Why not? I think I think most hockey fans would be down with that, like a best of seven series between the U.S. and Canada, right? Well, what are we always talk? What are we all talking about now? Oh, you want to see? To your point, you want to see Austin Matthews versus Connor McDavid? 
Like yeah. the con- the conversation now is as someone you know as, as someone who's in my early fifties now the conversation around international hockey I've watched and we all have watched you know change throughout the decades and evolve to a place where you know we all wondered if the greatest hockey rivalry in the world was going to turn into Canada USA and here we are and it's at every level. Now. One of the thing you you've been early on a lot of things in your life. I remember you telling me about Connor McDavid when he was a, a fetus, uh, for example, but. Um, <laughs> I remember that conversation on the, on the pot. You're like, get yeah, lost, I, Merrick. Get lost. I'm like, who is this like, guy? Yeah, a what kind of name kids. is Connor? Um, so the, but you were very early on the concept of the U.S. would take over international hockey, were it only it, more of our elite athletes playing hockey versus basketball or football or whatever. And, and and I'm saying you're early on it because that was before it's happening. It's happening. The sort of like geographic revolution that we've seen where kids from Florida and California and Texas and places like that are now like getting drafted more and more. And so like, yeah, we've reached the point where you kind of thought we'd get to, which is that all due respect to Sweden yep. and Finland and Russia, whenever, whenever we go into one of these tournaments, we're all watching these tournaments being like, Hey, European teams, don't screw this up by beating one of these teams before they meet in the final. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, we're we're I mean, we're years deep into this now. Like I, I'm I'm fully convinced that let's just say Austin Matthews, for example, if he had decided to be a football player or a mm. baseball player, he could have. Thing is he chose yeah. hockey. And I would, I would always say this. You and I would have this discussion all the time. The scary thing for Canada is going to be when the top athletes in the United States choose hockey first right. over track right. and field, over football, over baseball, over all these. And that's now very much starting to happen. Yeah. And that never like, used to happen, like, right? Like it was tw- always 20- like, wasn't good enough to play football, wasn't, good, wasn't fast enough to run track. And settled into hockey and had a modest career and made it to the NHL. Congratulations. Here's your cookie. Now, I mean, it's. You're talking about you're talking about uh, markets that have only been in play in the U.S. for like roughly 20 years. Like a kid born yep. when the Blue Jackets came to Columbus is what now? Like early 20s, 20? Like. It's. It was always going to take time for some of these "quote unquote" non-traditional no, but markets you, you to start know what, like, though, bearing it, fruit. It was. Columbus was quicker than that, right? Because didn't Sean Corrali go through the entire like Junior Blue Jackets program? It was. It was pretty fast. Like, sure, I'll tell you, I was like, talking, talking to. About, um, I'm talking David, about the I, kids I, I, like Austin Matthews. Talk about the Austin Matthews of Columbus, the kid oh, who grew okay, up okay, going okay, to okay. NHL games and then choosing to play right. hockey. Like an elite athlete chooses to play hockey because he's captivated by the live mm-hmm. game, which, as we as we all know, is the is the gateway drug to, to being a hockey player is to go to the games and experience hockey live. Go to the games, love the sport. Now all of a yep. sudden you're playing it. So like, like those markets whether it's the Jackets or whether it's, you know, Nashville or, or wherever, like those markets have have only been around for like just over 20 years now. So I know, you know, what? here's here, here's an interesting one thing that I, I, I find really fascinating. Uh, I got like two minutes left here. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting, I was mentioning this to, uh, to David Poyle, I had on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, when he announced that he was, you know, stepping down at the end of the season and handing the whole thing off to uh, to Barry Trotz, 
when I look at Nashville and when I think of Nashville, I'm always remind I get reminded of this every winter. So both my kids play hockey, as you know, and you know, uh, spring and summer tournaments are a great you know opportunity to travel, to meet new people, raise a lot of money for the for the people that host the tournaments. Um, but every year, like Nashville is a destination now for minor slash youth hockey. Every yeah. like some of the biggest tournaments in North America every year are in Nashville. And if you told 20-year-old 20, 20 Jeff or 25-year-old Jeff or 30-year-old Jeff, for that matter, that that was going to be a thing, that a hot spot for youth hockey in the United States was going to be, checks notes, Nashville, Tennessee, I would have said not a chance. But here we are. Yeah. Right. But here we are. Right. So there you go. I mean, non-traditional markets will start producing players. The U.S. will have a international hockey empire in place for decades on end and uh, <laughs> basketball will become the official sport of Canada. <laughs> it's quickly becoming that. I think my kids are Raptors games now and they absolutely love it. Um, any any sport hustle, you guys are good at for uh, more than you, 10 minutes you, you love, like soccer, basketball, like it takes like three years of being good at something and it becomes Canada's official sport. You should hear us talk about rugby sevens now. You should hear us talk about <laughs> rugby sevens, Greg Wyshynski. <laughs> so good. Um, I got to go. You got to go. We got things to do. What's uh, What do you got on the horizon? The drop is tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, you can find it on the ESPN Twitter feed. Me and Arda Ocal. Uh, Adam Fantilli, Q&A, coming up on the show. Uh, plus, uh, I assign Ooh. one NHL team to every era of Taylor Swift. You ass- sorry, you assign what, what, what? I assign one NHL team to every one of... T- Taylor, Taylor yes. Swift is on the Eras Tour, celebrating each of her eras, her yeah, al- yeah, yeah. albums, her, her incarnations. So I assign one NHL playoff team to each one of those eras. That was my, my task, and I've accomplished Ooh. it. All right, we will stay tuned for that. Uh, You have a good seven days. We'll talk next week, pal. Thanks, bud. Greg Wyshynski from uh, ESPN and The Drop with Arda O'Cal.